Welcome back to the channel today, everyone. I am your host, Sarah Higdon. Um, special episode today. Um, you know, we do um, our Monday shows at seven o'clock live. Uh, this episode is pre recorded, so you know, so it is not live, but um, it's going to be a great episode either way. Um, special interview segment. Um, so Monday is the the news show and right now we're doing uh we do some thursday um interviews so today i have the pleasure of hosting the one and only lou perez hey you got me right <laughs> in the middle man. of the stretch yeah. <laughs> yeah i saw that i thought you were raising your hands because i was pulling you into the space and it was like yes i'm here coming down to <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm on a i feel i'm on a roller coaster right now so yeah <laughs> cool cool so lou um you are a comedian but also a writer um so why don't you just kind of introduce yourself and um what you do sure uh so like sarah said i'm a comedian and uh and an author yeah i'm oh. not just a writer anymore I, I put i put so much writing together into a book that i became an author so i wrote a book called that joke isn't funny anymore on the death and rebirth of comedy. Uh, yeah, and I, uh, I'm a producer too. So I produce uh, sketch comedy and videos and and uh, and all that stuff. Yeah. Now, how long have you been doing like the sketch comedy stuff? Because you, you I mean, we've met up in the last like year, two years maybe. And um, that's when we started to really talk and interact and get to know each other a little bit. But I know you've been kind of doing this for a while. So how, how long have you been going at it? <laughs> yeah, I think I've been doing, I think, 20 years. Yeah, I started in, in college, so I'm 41. And uh, uh, tw damn, 20 years sounds, feels so long ago. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I started doing improv and sketch comedy uh, as an undergrad at NYU. So since then, I've been I've been doing, uh, doing comedy and uh, whether it's live sketch comedy or producing, um, you know, sketch comedy videos on like, uh, you know, for YouTube, I was there in like, I guess like the early days of YouTube when it came out. Um, so yeah, two decades of doing this stuff. Now, how are you still able to be on YouTube? Because you're, I mean, your, your videos get pretty racy. So I, I don't know. Do you, are you monetized at all? <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I am. I am monetized. <laughs> I don't know how monetization works. Um, uh, one of the, one of the great things about YouTube, like, like, you know, the earlier days is when they started reaching out to groups to have these partnerships. Um, and my, uh, my comedy duo, Greg and Lou, uh, I'm, I'm the Lou, uh, Greg is an, uh, another guy. Um, we, uh, we started monetizing our videos and it was really cool where, you know, you'd turn around and every month you'd have, you know, however, however many, you know, hundreds of dollars in there. And it would, it would really, it would really help us to at least produce more videos, you know? Yeah. Um, and then one of our, our biggest videos, it's a, it's a video called Wolverine's claws suck. And at, I think it's been around maybe like 15 years and has like over 19 million views on YouTube. And that was like our cash cow. That, yeah. that was the video that, you know, that would get all the ad revenue. And then one day we got a notice that was saying that, yeah, they weren't going to be monetized. They were going to be demonetizing it. 
Um, and it wasn't like a political thing at all. Like when I hear like a lot of people, you know, there've been a lot of victims of uh, demonetization, you know, due to like, I guess their, their politics or, or the subjects that they cover ours. It was not a, it wasn't about subject matter. It was about gore. Like the video itself yeah. is really gory. There's a lot of fake blood. <laughs> and it was like, oh man, like here it was like, this is our magnum opus. Like this is the, this is the the thing that has the most views and is getting us the most, uh, the most money um so i mean we're how many years removed from that so yeah there are a few videos of mine that you know get monetized i i post my stuff on youtube but it's every time i post it, i'm not really looking at it it's like oh this is the money maker it's yeah. more of like hey it, there's still a, a possibility of building an audience on youtube for me um so i'm, I'm gonna do that but it, it feels like a lot of um i've been getting a lot of a lot of good views on on twitter uh, so, you know, out of nowhere, here's, you know, this other site that seems to have, uh, uh, you know, become a, a, a new place to, you know, actually get, um, some eyes on my, on my material. Yeah. That's interesting because I mean, I've started doing all these live shows that I'm doing are going up on Twitter as well now because, and actually last week I did a video and I was first, I was sure that YouTube would at least demonetize it, but they didn't. It was about uh, the sound of freedom and what I really think the issue that the media had with it. And I was basically daring them to like give me a strike on my channel or something. It didn't happen. But I, I think, you know, with Twitter being as open and free speech as it is, if they can get the, you know, the video content up there, it's going to be a great platform. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people forget how I how amazing Facebook used to be. Um, and what was, what was amazing about Facebook was you could post, you could post, uh, you know, one liners, you could post essay length P, uh, posts, you could put videos up and then later on you could live stream and all that. And then you would be able to have these, you know, long form conversations in the comments. And, uh, it was great as a, you know, as a, as a comedian, as a, as a, as a creator, you know, putting your stuff out there and being able to get eyes on it. And what was really like, uh, what I think was really good about it too, is it was sort of like this one-stop shop where it's like, yeah. oh, cool. I could like, there are people who spent a good part of their lives on Facebook, you know, whether it's with, you know, friends and family or getting into arguments. And it was like, great here, we have this one space where you could do everything. And, and then, of course, you know, Facebook sucks uh, now and it sucked for it sucked for quite a few years. And it's like, oh, man, now I got to go make a new thing. I got to go make a new, uh, you know, a new profile. And then what was the recent thing? Threads. I, I made a threads. I don't <laughs> I don't think anybody's on that now. It's only lasted it's like not. a few weeks. Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so I would really love whether it's Twitter, whether it's something else. I would love for there to just be like one platform where I'm like, OK, I know that if I put my stuff up there, it's going to be seen and I could actually get like, you know, the kind of engagement that I want to get as somebody who yeah. is a performer, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's why it's so hard sometimes to break through on some of these other platforms because like YouTube, there's how many million people are oh, on yeah. YouTube now? It's just, it's so hard to just even get into the algorithm. I mean, I've heard even back in 2015, it was like, all you had to do is make any content and you were getting, you know, hundreds of thousands of views on on videos it was pretty it was a lot easier to grow the channel as it is now now you have to fight the algorithm to even get into it you know to try to get any views on your stuff and i do know so i mean elon has said that 
he he wants to make Twitter the everything app. And he's done that when when he has ad revenue going to creators. Um, you know, there's a there's a lot of good stuff, I think, coming. I think they're just behind the ball. I, I think they're just – it's slow coming. Like, mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't have subscriptions. I've been waiting on my subscriptions for, for months now. And so it's just like I, – um, I, but, I'm, but I'm hopeful for the future there. Um, now, you um, – and actually, it's interesting you mentioned the Wolverine clause because I think I saw that for the first time just before Freedom Fest. It just like popped up. Maybe when I was looking at your channel, because when you had me on, I was looking at I was looking at something, but all of a sudden it put that video into my algorithm. So it's still <laughs> probably it, 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 it's yeah, so YouTube's there. It's like Sarah, you need this. You need you this need video. To see this. Yeah. <laughs> this is the video that put Lou up here. So you you, you need to put, put Lou around here. Uh, wherever. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm literally lower than I am now. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> um but it was interesting. So kind of talking about your content, you've recently partnered with some of my favorite people um over at Free the People. Um so how did that come about? Yeah, so um uh for th- those viewers out there who might not know Free the People, it's uh Matt and Terry Kibbe. That's their um uh their baby, their organization. And for years, they've been making really great um, documentary content. Uh, Matt has a podcast. They do a lot of uh, uh, live events around the world speaking about, uh, you know, liberty and freedom and, and beer. I think they talk a lot. Of, definitely drink a, lot. Drink, drink a lot. They drink a lot of beer. They, they talk about wine yeah. and beer and all that. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I first met Matt, I think, through, you know, um, sort of like the Liberty movement, uh, you know, different events. And uh, we've been, you know, fans of each other's work for, you know, for years. And then we had talked about like, oh, it'd be great to, you know, do something together. And we finally had the the opportunity this year. So we're doing a series, a comedy series called Comedy is Murder. And um, we are three, three videos in. We got a new video coming out at some point this month um and yeah it's um, i'm i'm back to making uh like high production value uh really funny uh satire and uh, i've been having a blast doing it well that's and and you and you, and you nailed it because I, well one thing you said is the high production value and i think that's whenever i mention your stuff or i show people um especially like my favorite video is the misgendering a murder video. Obviously, <laughs> <laughs> I actually have it pulled up so we can possibly show it. We'll, we'll show it at the end as we log off. But, um, but, but it is it's the production quality um, that you guys are are putting on these videos. I think it's impressive, and it's um, again it, it it it's hard because you don't want to get bogged down into an you don't want to get bogged in an algorithm when you're putting out such great content. And so, um, but I, I, you've been, you've been just dropping everything on, uh, on Twitter lately. So, which is, which is great. Um, thanks. Can, can I talk about, yeah, like with, when yeah. it comes to the video, um, you know, to the videos, I mean, uh, you know, with the way that technology, you know, has gone, I mean, you're the stuff that you can shoot just with your phone and have it look great is, is pretty, uh, pretty amazing. And, um, you know, anybody can pick up, you know, editing software and, and learn to edit and, and all that. So, um, yeah. you know, that's definitely, you know, made it, uh, you know, made it, made it easier. And I think like, you know, if you go back, 
you know, however many years to like key and peel, like key and peel. I think they raised the bar significantly for, for sketch comedy um, as far as like what sketch comedy can look like, like uh, especially the uh, sketches that they did that were very, that were parodies of like um, of action or suspense, like just looking beautiful, you know, just looking so beautiful and being hilarious too. Yeah. So it's sort of like, I look at, you know, the stuff that, um, that, that they did. And I'm very much like, like, I I enjoy uh, playing playing things real, like treating like the reality, like this is some you know, <laughs> yeah. what's happening in this scene is is it it's real, you know. We're not campy or anything or anything like that. So, uh, you know, being able to um, you know mimic uh, or you know pay homage to uh, uh, you know uh, different genres is is really important for me. Well, it's kind. I mean, I mean, they've built. Like you said, Kim Peel, you had the Chappelle show. You had these right. sketch comedy stuff that, yeah, just kind of took over, right? Um, I mean, it's a whole genre of stuff. But I like what you're saying when it's like, honestly, I think some of the most impressive is when you put something out there and people don't know it's satire. So I, ha I actually have this. <laughs> <laughs> I could pull this one up. <laughs> Lou. <laughs> this one right here is is great. So... Let's play, let's play this clip. Sure. This morning, I came to my local school playground to talk to children about sex and gender. No, I'm not a teacher, but I know for sure they're not learning any of these lessons in their school. And I want to change that. Unfortunately, the principal came out and told me to leave. I refused, naturally. She then said she was going to call the police. How unfortunate. But here's a promise I make to you right now. Whether it's a child in kindergarten or a police officer, if they meet me here on this playground, they're going to get a lesson in sex and gender. Do the work, get out there, go to your local playground, start a conversation. This morning, I <laughs> I don't know. I, I want. I want. I want to go on the record. I don't know who that person is. I don't know where that <laughs> video came from. So, if anybody out there. It. <laughs> yeah, I, I had to share it. I, the world needed to know about that. Um, yeah, about so, that yeah. person just at the at the at the school telling kids about sex and gender. So yeah, that well that that video is it, it's fun because I think I I first released that probably like over a year ago, and then I re-released it, reshared it. I guess not. There wasn't like a big theatrical release. <laughs> uh, it's like yeah, we're gonna get this big theatrical release for a a. a a minute long video. Um, and so I, I reshared it a f some months back and a bunch of like really prominent people like on the, the right in the, um, you know, online, uh, the world, uh, shared it and thought it was serious. So it got just like a ton of views and I got a ton of, you know, death threats. Uh, <laughs> so the, my, my favorite, my, my, one of my favorite, uh, things that people say is like, uh, I want this guy's address, you know, like they're going to show up. And I know like, well, the real tough guy thing is to provide your address and then allow, th you know, the chips to fall, you know, as, uh, as they may. Yeah. But yeah, the amount of people who just wanted to string me up or shoot me or, you know, do any sorts of, you know, terrible things to me, uh, was pretty amazing. But then also the amount of people who are like, like, no, it's Lou Perez. He's a comedian. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then responses to that were often, you know, of the variety of 
well, I don't care if it, uh, I don't care if he's a comedian. He's giving these people ideas. Like, uh, <laughs> it's it's like you're. I mean, you're putting into video like satire. I mean, that's that's what makes that's that's what makes good satire though. Is a lot of times when you don't know, and what's getting harder is satire. Like the world feels so ridiculous sometimes. How do you keep up? That's where that's the question. How do you keep up in a world? That is so ridiculous and trying to make satire in this in this environment. Oh, I mean, it could be it could be tough. I mean, you know, uh, for one, you can get uh, you can get by a lot. You can fool a lot of people if you're just able to keep a straight face. I think that's sort <laughs> of that, that that's one of the one of the keys. But as far as, you know, a world that's just gone, you know, uh, more and more mad, you know, look at someone like uh, there's a English um, comedian and author. Uh, uh, Andrew Doyle, who um, he has a, a character, was it Titania McGrath? I think uh, is is the name. Uh, it was like the characters are just like an ultra woke, you know, just all the way out there. Um, and there are a number of jokes that uh, Titania had, you know, put online that eventually came true, where it's like either Titania is a psychic or Titania actually like controls the world and i think one, like, <laughs> one example of it it was something like um i don't know if it, I, I think it was yeah it was mary poppins uh calling out mary poppins for having uh blackface uh and it's i think anyone who's seen the movie knows it's it's not blackface it's like coal you know from like i guess the chimney sweeps or whatever mm -hmm. uh and then i think there was an article in the new york times talking like like saying we need to have a conversation of, about this so it's uh yeah it, it it's wild i mean it's uh you know th there there's something you know obviously fun about it but i think if you're a normal person you're like oh this this is a little scary too yeah well i mean there's always been the jokes that the you know the simpsons are are, are predicting the future they have time right. machines because I mean, Trump on the gold escalator, like they made it happen, you know, <laughs> but, and that's the other, I mean, the Babylon B, how they predict things all the time. And it's just like, what is going on? Because when, when satire becomes reality, that's when things get scary. I think we're living in a satirical time plus like a black mirror time, right? Like every, like all the technology that's coming out is scary because you're like, wait, I've seen this episode on black mirror. I don't think this is where we want to go <laughs> like with AI it, and everything. <laughs> it seems like there's a, and, and there's a lot happening all at the same time, you know, like there's a lot that's going on and it's really, um, it's very tough to focus on, you know, on one thing, you know, like it's, it's, yeah. it's it feels like, uh, you know, the, um, like you bring up like artificial intelligence. I mean, that's something that that's, that's happening and should scare the shit out of everybody. Um, and yet it's one of, you know, a dozen other things that are happening at the same time, while also, you know, the fact that there's super entertaining stuff happening on Twitter and online to, uh, you know, to, to, to divert some of our attention to. And, you know, uh, my apologies for, for being a, a small part of that. You know? <laughs> so. Well, no, you're, you're like you diverting the attention is a good thing because um when your timeline is filled with all of this scare tactics and everything like that you need the comedy in there to be like okay i could still laugh at 
something, you know, to bring you back up. Actually, one of my uh, pro tip on Twitter is follow like these accounts that always show pictures of dogs and cute mm. animals, because then like every like 10 tweet, 10th tweet on your timeline is a cute animal. And you're like, OK, I can keep scrolling. <laughs> you know? that, that, no, that that's a really yeah, I think that that's a really that's really good advice, because um, uh, last night, my, my my wife had told me about this horrible uh, murder that she that that had happened in in Brooklyn at a um, it was at a gas station and this young man who was uh, a dancer uh, he was stabbed to death there was uh, it was like a, a he was the, the way that, that 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 it's been described was he and his friend stopped at a gas station to fill up there was a song on and he started voguing and uh, there were some young men at the gas station who took issue with that. Um, and I believe the the young men were were Muslim or something. It, things ended. It ended up, uh, you know, some kind of you know words were exchanged, scuffle, uh, and this poor guy was freaking stabbed to death. And I, you know, I went to bed, you know, thinking like, oh my, you know, this 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 poor guy. I wait. I, I then I woke up today, and I ran a search for it, and I started reading, you know, the article and 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 watching, you know, some of the footage, and in the local sort of. Um, in, in the local stream of news, if you if you scroll down, it was all like murder, 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 rape, you know, all this. And I was thinking like, holy shit, like if I spent my if I spent like my every day just checking out local news, I mean, all of the all it would be filled mm -hmm. with is just murder and mayhem, you know, so it's it's, it's really important to have, you know, uh, to, to give you, you know, uh, not, not only to 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 not have to just deal with that you know, to have a little bit of like, oh, there's also some sweet stuff happening in life that, you know, we should yeah. pay attention to. No, you're absolutely right. I, uh, I was writing an article about Philadelphia a couple weeks ago and it was like, I was writing an article about, it was just a news story about somebody who was murdered, same thing. And it was like, I Googled to try to find, you know, more articles to figure out, get more information on it. Right. And it was like every other story was a different murder that happened within the last three days. And I was like, this, yeah, exactly what you just said. So, um, which is again, yeah, you just need that. You need that relief. Um, but when you're talking like satire now, you, I mean, so with satire, I think the, the best part about it is, is you're able to reach an audience and make, and almost inform how ridiculous causes like things that are happening are like in a comedic way. Like you're able to like make it seem like it's, it's happening, but then in a comedic way, like, but how do you just, where do you get the creative energy just to come up with something like some of these skits and stuff like that to um, really play it off of what's actually happening and, and how comedic it is? Um, well, I think, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, just, just the way my brain is structured. Um, and I got my, my, my good friend, Greg, uh, of, of Greg and Lou, we've, uh, I, I've been doing comedy as long as we've been friends. So we've been working together for like 20 years. And if you hang out with us, it's like every single thing that happens, we're talking about it as like, maybe we could turn this into a, into a bit. And I, I remember hearing a, a uh, interview with Jerry Seinfeld on Howard Stern, where Jerry Seinfeld said the same, you know, said a similar thing. Mm -hmm. and, and Stern was like, God, that must be exhausting. And it's like, no, it's, 
it's great. I mean, that's how that's how we communicate. It might be exhausting and annoying for people who aren't comedians to hang out ar around us because all we're doing is talking about we're talking about bits and we're also in our conversation. We're having callbacks to jokes that we made 20 years ago in a sketch that nobody's ever seen, you know. So a lot of it just starts with just it's kind of like, well, that's the way we see and we experience the world. Mm -hmm. And then um, and then with that, you know, there's like the 20 years of experience of producing where it's like, oh, well, what if we did go down this route? Like, can we develop this into a, um, you know, into something that can sustain a three to five minute sketch? And then it's like, oh, well, well, we could do that. But can we make it really funny? Yeah, I think we could make this uh, really funny. You know, so it's I, it's a it's a number of of you know of elements, and it's like, you know, there are tons of things that we've you know th really funny ideas that will probably never see the light of day for any number of reasons. You know, it might be yeah budgetary concerns. It might be like Greg and I we have um, we wrote a spec script for a uh, uh, for a sitcom where you know we have where we think it was, you know it was it was very funny, but the plan was for us to play the two main guys and we have we have drastically aged out you know like we can't <laughs> we can't play like these like you know uh you know doofy i don't know doofy we can't play 25 year olds like nobody's gonna believe that this guy with the, with all this salt and pepper way more salt than pepper <laughs> is going to you know is gonna play uh play 25 so. uh i mean what do you mean you played a woman so <laughs> That that's that that is true. <laughs> Misgendering a murderer. I uh, I I took a role from an actress. Uh, I stepped in. You did. It was a role of a lifetime. So. I mean, it was it was a great role. Um, Want to talk about this one though too? Because um, you you talked about how you get how you how when you put that you know that one out that they got all this right wing attention, which it's like every half the people like big names were like, wait a second. No, that's Lou Perez. <laughs> what are you talking about? But you said you got some death threats on that. And so what gun did you choose to go with? Um... <laughs> well, yeah, well, I was actually going to, I was, I wanted to talk to you cause you know, you're, uh, you're a veteran and, and I know you're, uh, you're armed. I was wondering if you had any, uh, any suggestions. Uh, what, you know, I'm a family man, you know, what's a good gun for, for a family man? <laughs> You know, um, well, it, it's going to cost you and it's going to cost you probably more than you're going to be willing to give. Um, and so everybody knows where this joke is coming from. We got it ready. To go. <laughs> <laughs> it was after the home invasion that I thought it's time. It's time to get a gun for home protection. But we're still uncomfortable about it. Yeah, I want to buy a gun, but I don't want to give up my big dick. It's a tale as old as time, or at least as old as gunpowder. Guns are not for self-defense or protection of private property, but for men to compensate for their small penises. But in a world where only small cocks are packing heat, what are the well-endowed to do? I came to this quiet town in suburban New Jersey to sit down with George Johansson, a husband, father, and well-hung homeowner. We never felt unsafe. My husband's penis is massive. How could anyone do us harm? But it turns out even the most massive of schlong owners can be victimized. We were in bed when I heard the sound of glass breaking. And you sleep naked? Yeah. Were you aroused? No. But by the time I ran downstairs to see what was happening, I was fully erect. 
So you confronted the burglars with your erection. Yeah. Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> and then what happened? They beat the shit out of me. What are you doing? So they didn't back off at the sight of your enormous wang. No. The first time I saw George's penis, I screamed. I was so scared of it. Hmm. Did you try to hit them with it, George? Of course. And? They just, uh, they just punched your massive dong out of the way. <laughs> it's like it wasn't even there. I imagine it's very hard to subdue a home intruder with just your penis. Yeah, it's not like what you see in the movies. What movies are you watching? <laughs> in the wake of the attack, George attempted to purchase a gun, but there was a problem. I thought I could get around the background check, but anyone who's ever tried to buy a gun knows that they measure your cock right there on the spot. It's not what the Founding Fathers had in mind. Weeks after we first met, George Johansson decided to go under the knife in order to exercise his Second Amendment rights. George's penis reduction surgery went so well that he was legally allowed to purchase not one, but two rifles. But was his sacrifice worth it? Do I miss my big penis? Yes. Does my wife miss my big penis? Yes. Do our kids miss my big penis? Yes. But what's most important is that we're safe and our home is protected. Right? Okay. <laughs> I mean, I love, I love that piano that that piano music. I think it, <laughs> that, pian it's... that piano was played with a penis. So <laughs> Wait, was it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've seen the clips of like yeah. of uh, Zelensky, the Ukrainian president. Oh no, like, I didn't. I, I haven't seen. You that. haven't seen that one. No. I mean, he used to be a stand-up. He used to be a comedian too before he was president. And yeah, there's a clip of him online playing a piano with his penis. Wow, is it legit or is it like? Uh... No, it's real. Wow, does he sound good? Yeah, is he like Billy I... Joel? Ukraine's <laughs> I, Billy I Joel. Don't... <laughs> I don't think I don't think he was that good, but um, no. So, I mean, you know, I I don't know what to tell you. You know, I I bought an AR-15 in my I... reduction. So, <laughs> <laughs> I heard there was a great. Yeah, you know, it's 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 funny because I, um, I I spoke to a, a friend of mine who uh, was in the Navy, and he's uh, he's been like a. Uh, firearms instructor and all that. And I had talked to him and he's like, yeah, actually, you know, if you are looking for one, I, I, he would say, you know, the AR 15, because it's something that, you know, you could be a, you know, a big dude and you can handle it. Um, you could be uh, yeah. more petite. You could be petite. You can handle it. Um, so it's, it's a great, it's, it's a great yeah. rifle for women, especially to handle um, because it's small light and doesn't have a lot of recoil. Um, but I mean, I probably could have gotten a 50 cal, in my situation so <laughs> <laughs> holy shit there's yeah, a, there's a, never someone know. someone's gonna be like yo sarah where's the only fans we gotta we gotta, <laughs> we gotta see what's what's happening so. yeah that's not happening <laughs> but yeah so um let's talk about the book for a little bit 
Um, sure. The joke isn't funny anymore. Um, what I mean, what made you want to author a book? Not write because you're not author. Writer, you're an author. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the the authorized version of this book. Well, it came out of a uh, an article that I wrote in the Wall Street Journal. Um, where where is it? Over my over my sh my shoulder, right here on the floor. Oh yeah. There there we go. Yeah. That's the uh, the Wall Street Journal. Um, and it, the, the title of the uh, article was How I Became a, quote, far-right radical. And it was a, a response to a, a paper that came out. It was a pre-published paper uh, that uh, basically called We the Internet TV, which is the uh, old comedy channel that I, I was a producer and head writer for. Uh, it, it called uh, We the Internet Far-Right. Uh, and the uh, the paper was about uh, they called it the, the growth of right wing echo chambers on YouTube. So not only was we the Internet TV considered far right, but so was Joe Rogan, Brett Weinstein and just a number of other people who were just nowhere near far right. So the uh, the piece in the, the Wall Street Journal was my response to it by, you know, basically saying, uh, well, they got it wrong. And also in the times that we're living in, uh, where uh, I had recently just lost my job working for uh, on the We the Internet TV project, and there I was, like you know, putting my resume together and looking for jobs, and it's like, you know, labeling me far right or my work far right, like that could get in the way of a career, um, and um, so from uh, out of that article uh, came the book. So yeah. So all you kids out there with a dream of writing a book, I, I, I don't know. I got lucky, I guess, you know. I mean, even if, if you can do it, anybody can do it, right? That's right. That's, <laughs> that's right. Well, my, Michael, Michael Malice, uh, or my, my, my friend, uh, that, that's, you know, some of the advice that he often gives. It's like, you know, if you write a book, it doesn't have to be a masterpiece. You know, it could be the best book that you that you can write. And boom, you're you're an author forever. So, yeah, I mean, I, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I listened to it the, on the whole drive to Freedom Fest. Um, and I enjoyed it. I think you, t I, I, I think honestly, not to take away from your book sales, but I think people should listen to the audio version of it because it's funny. And I Thank don't you. know if you can get the same comedy, um, reading it in written form because delivery is very important. And so that, that's, that is one thing that I want to uh, recommend to people, but I don't like to read that much anyways. I just like audiobooks anyways, but it was, it was very good. And I think, I mean, you went into a lot of, um, a lot of important topics that we're seeing today. Um, one of the ones that I've been even talking a little bit about is this whole notion of punching up and punching down right and so you had a whole chapter on that um and so yeah what i mean where because that's a, that's an issue with comedy you can't punch up you can't punch down so like what where do you see the issues like in that realm well yeah it, it's one of these uh it, it seems like in recent memory i've been hearing a lot about you know comedy punches up it doesn't punch down and i've also uh heard that expressed along with things like um, comedy is supposed to speak truth to power. And I was trying to figure out like, you know, why is it that I'm just hearing about this so much now, as opposed to like when I was starting out, where it was sort of, you know, the, for me, the, the rules of the game were, uh, 
you know, can you make this funny? You know, how can we, you know, how can you make this funny? And if it's funny, it works. Okay. You know, go for it. Um, and with the truths of power thing, it was like, uh, that power component I found interesting because it was like, well, when did comedy go from just speaking the truth or some version of the truth or what you, what you view as the truth. And the reality is, well, if you are speaking the truth, well, sometimes you're going to hurt people who might be marginalized, you know, who might be, uh, you know, in the minority who might be the downtrodden if you're speaking truth. So you add this power component to it. So it's like, all right, leave them alone and just, you know, punch up, you know, to the, you know, to the, uh, to those in power. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, overall with the whole, like, oh, you know, comedy doesn't punch down. I find it, there's like something that's just so condescending about it. You know, this idea of like, well, I can't make fun of you because you're below me, you know? So maybe <laughs> yeah. if, maybe if you were, you know, more important or at the higher stature, then, you know, I could, you know, I, I can launch some, some jokes your way, but until then, sorry, you know? Um, yeah. so I find it, yeah, it's pretty, you know, just condescending. It's like a little smug, you know, overall. Yeah. And I, I agree. Um, actually one, the like the first youtube video and actually the only one that i've had that really blew up was responding to the dave Chappelle special talking about trans people and that's really the first time i started hearing this whole notion of punching down and you're mm -hmm. right like if you have to punch if you think that you're punching down on me like you can't make fun of people like me then that that that's not inclusive that's exclusive like that means that you don't feel that I'm worthy enough to make jokes about. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, and it's funny because, you know, hearing a lot of this stuff, you know, punching up, punching down, speaking truth to power. It's also at a time where uh, the genre of like the comedy roast battle is really, you know, is really sprung up. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's as, if the roast battles are as popular as they were, you know, maybe a, a, a few years ago, I think probably COVID, uh, you know, uh, played a role in, you know, kind of diminishing it a little bit because, you know, fewer people getting together, you know, for live comedy, but like, but like roast battles are about like taking those, you know, taking the, the stereotypes of your opponent and using them, you know? So, you know, if you're going against a trans, you know, comedian, you're going to make jokes about that person being yeah. trans. If you're a fat guy, they're going to make jokes about you being a, being a fat guy. And there's sort of this, this understanding there where it's like, well, these are the rules of battle and that's how we're going, you know, going, you know, going to go about it. Um, so it, it's, it's wild to, to see these like examples of, I think of strength in, in roast battles with, you know, marginalized people. And then on the outside of it, people saying like, no, you're, 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 uh, this is going to hurt you, you know, if you, uh, you know, if someone were to come at you with this stuff. Yeah. I, I actually made the joke one time too, that I don't, I don't like to talk about Dylan Mulvaney that much because I don't feel like punching down at Dylan Mulvaney because that is how I view Dylan. It's mm -hmm. like not even worth my time because I do put myself above somebody. Like that, you know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's like playing again, playing to their stereotypes and stuff like that. Um, but with, I mean, with that type of stuff, I mean, we're in an era of like cancel culture. So if you're a comedian, how do you, you know, comedy has always kind of stepped over that line or 
towed the line of what is acceptable in culture. I mean, your videos are, are proof, like we just showed earlier, like there's a line. And, and so how do you, you know, tow that or do you just jump in and, you know, know that you're you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna piss some people off and it's gonna be it's gonna overstep those bounds yeah i mean i think uh i i think that we are seeing like a light at the end of the tunnel with uh with cancel culture i feel like there's been you know so much you know talk about it that i think enough comedians are saying like look i'm just gonna put out what i think is funny and uh thankfully i have an audience who's you know able to uh to support me and you know, what more do you need? You know, what more do you need to continue to do yeah. your stuff? Um, and so, so I think, I think it's definitely, um, feels like a better time to be, to be doing comedy than, you know, maybe a, a few years back where people, you know, were really, you know, worried about it. Um, and I think, you know, I think there's just so many examples of people, you know, doing, uh, you know, taking on subject matter that's, you know, controversial and doing a good job of it where it's like, oh, if so-and-so, you know, can do it, well, then why can't I, you know, why can't I do it? Yeah. Well, I think when you have, you know, titans in the industry that aren't backing down and, you know, that's important to cancel culture. That's I really mean, when, important. Yeah. When John Cleese said, no, like said, no, I'm not taking the letter, the Loretta scene out of uh, life of Brian. I think that was very important just to you know for all comedians to be like no we don't have to bow to this this is comedy yeah yeah i think i think that's huge and you've seen it with um uh i think uh like you know Chappelle, you bring up uh ricky gervais uh mm -hmm. joe joe rogan has you know uh, uh definitely uh you know been there for a lot of uh for a lot of comedians um yeah i think that that that's totally it's totally important because i think you know, there's always, there's always been like this, you know, question of, well, how many people are actually offended by this stuff versus how many people are just vocal about it, you know, vocal about being, yeah. you know, being offended and, you know, taking those, you know, those numbers into account. And I think for the most part, I think most people, um, most people just go, you know, they hear something they don't like, they go about their day um, as opposed to, you know, they hear something they don't like, they write a blog post, they try to get signatures, uh, yeah. you know, a petition to get people to shut up. Um, so. Well, that is part of the internet too, though. Do, I mean, and, and it is kind of something that I, I, I've liked to talk about too, is like, you realize on the internet with social media, there's a lot of trolls that make a lot of noise when that's not really the reality of real life. I would say that, you know, the internet's not real because it's not the same. Now, um, like if you go out to comedy clubs, are you still, are, are the crowds coming back after COVID? I guess that's the first question. Oh yeah. I mean, from, uh, from the, the people that I know who, you know, own clubs and stuff like business is great. Yeah. Business is doing, okay. is doing really well. Um, you know, I don't know. Um, I don't know if like new clubs are, are, are opening up. Um, or, you know, yeah, I don't know how many clubs are, you know, are around, but I think there, you know, there is that hunger to see live comedy. Cause I think there's, there, there's something about live comedy that you just, you just have to be there, uh, to really, uh, to experience it. And cause I, I mean, I've seen, you know, comedians with, uh, comedy specials on Netflix, uh, comedians who I've seen live and I'm like, oh man, like, 
you really can't capture what it's like to be in a, you know, in a room with these people while they're performing live. You know, there's just something, yeah. there's an energy there that, that, you know, is just really, um, uh, it, it's hard to describe unless you're, unless you're there. So I think there, there's still a, you know, a desire for people to have that real human experience of laughing in public with, uh, with other people. So. Yeah. And, and possibly you get to see, um, one of the things that you talked about in your book, you had, I think you had another, a whole about bombing, which is something that, you know, stand-up comedians, anything you got to give credit to because they go out there and they could just totally tank the audience might not be able to take anything that they say and think it's funny. And then you have to go deal with that. So how do you get past that? Um, man, am I past that? Am I, uh, <laughs> like there's, I mean, there's still like, I'll, I'll still have like flashbacks every now and then to, you know, times when I bombed. Um, I think, I think one way to one way that that's helpful to deal with, with bombing is knowing that every single comedian has bombed like from the greatest comedians out there to people just starting out so in an interest so in a way it's sort of like you know how i am i am connected to jerry seinfeld or bill burr or you know any number of comedians is that well they've all bombed and so and, and so have i you know so it's sort of you know, i think going in with the understanding that it's part of the it's, it's part of the job that it's going to happen, I think is really important. And then I think also just, you know, uh, being focused and knowing that, well, this isn't the last show I'm going to do. There will be other shows. There will be other crowds and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get through this. And, um, and then, you know, just, uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe right now I'm going, I'm having a little flashback. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, is it, the, it now, because in your book you described you described the uh, the when you played at somebody that you know had seen you play and they were like you were amazing and then you went to like their 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 work group or something. What was what was the story that you had told? Oh yeah, they're, yeah. There in the book there are a couple. One of them is uh, a, a guy, uh, a, a black kid, uh, saw me perform on the Upper West Side and then he said, "I want to. I would like you to perform for my people." Uh, and that's, that's what he used. He said, my people. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm looking for a gig. Let me, you know, let me see. And it was a very weird event in Bed-Stuy. It was in the back of like a lounge. And there were only two white people there. There were like these two kind of like weird white guys at the bar and everybody else in the, in, you know, in the venue were, were, were black. And there was an event happening that I don't know if it was like a fashion show or something and they were selling in one room they were selling like adult sex toys too i was like what's, go what's going on here and the event was supposed to start at some point uh, i think we were like a few felt like a couple of hours after when it was supposed to start and then it was time for me to do stand-up and uh normally you know if you're doing stand-up you have like the host will get up and, and warm up the audience for you. And this time around the host got up, he introduced himself as time of your life, which I believe was his stage name time of your life. <laughs> and then just said, who here's ready for some comedy and then brought me up 
and nobody there was expecting comedy and nobody there was definitely expecting me to get up there to do comedy. And I opened with what I thought was going to be a really funny joke. I mean, you could, you know, it's sort of, it's sort of dated. I think we're back in what, 20, uh, 2008. And I said, you know, to this all black room, I said, wow, you know, I feel like, I feel like president Obama right now. Cause I have the opportunity to disappoint so many black people. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm glad you're laughing. Uh, nobody was laughing in the room and, and it kind of went like that. Yeah. For the next, I don't know how many, however many minutes. And it felt like forever and it was painful. Um, and, uh, but you know, you look, you know, you go, you look back how many years later and you're like, well, that's a, a fun story of pain to be able to tell. And I got through it and I lived to bomb another day and I lived to also <laughs> kill occasionally on, on <laughs> yeah. other days. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that is what's funny about it too, is because you tell that story and that's a funny story for another set, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So Every, every, everything every, everything's and, and everything's material too you know it's sort of like uh you know going back to like you know me talking with my my long you know long time comedy partner it's like everything's material everything is is there to be that there there's something in there's something in there that 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 could work uh as a bit you know whether it's the most painful thing or the happiest mm -hmm. occurrence or the most awkward occurrence um and i happen to be uh, a person where mentally the stuff that sticks out the most for me is awkwardness, humiliation, shame, things that I'm not, you know, that I'm, I'm not happy with myself about. Uh, and that like kind of comes to the forefront and it's sort of like, okay, we'll do something with it because if you don't do something with it, then you're going to, you know, end up being like curled up, you know, somewhere regretting having so many regrets in life. And it's like, ah, oh, well, fuck that. Let me, uh, yeah, you, let might me use well, it. you might as well live it. I yeah. think that's one thing like being, um, being a military member myself, like that's one thing you get, you get a lot of dark humor because you mm. go through some shit and the people that you're with, you're able to joke about the shit you went through and it's like, okay, yeah. We, we can we can laugh at this even though it was it was not fun <laughs> yeah you know yeah I, I found my uh the my my fans that, that served in the military are you know some of the best with with shit like that and and one of my favorites was a is a is an exchange going back and forth and it was some i don't know what it was i think it, it might have been there was a joke about abortion or something like that and then uh this one this one guy responded and said uh Oh, so you so you're saying that you would force a woman to give birth to a retard? That's that's how he used and 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 I said no, man, I would never make a woman give birth to a marine. And he was a <laughs> he was a marine, and he was just cracking. He just he thought that he just died laughing. He thought that was so funny. So it was really um, yeah. So thank no, you. For it your, is. Thank you for your service to my comedy. I don't think I don't <laughs> yeah. I don't thank any military people for their service in general. But in service to my comedy, I really appreciate it. Thank you for the sacrifice. And and I here. and we and we appreciate that. You know, well, it is. It's one of those things where we, um, and and usually though, like we have our own inside jokes, especially like the fuse between the services. Like you know, mm -hmm. the Marines are a bunch of cran eaters. Um, Air Force what, what, always what, stays. What in the kind hotels. of eaters are? What kind of eaters crans? Are they they, oh, they, cray they oh, eat crayons. <laughs> <laughs> I say crayons. I'm very cosmopolitan. We get crayons over here. Holy you know shit. what? 
actually that takes me back because the first time I ever got called out for saying it wrong was when I was in the military. Somebody's like, what'd you just say? <laughs> and now I live in Georgia. So it's, it's crayons. <laughs> That's right. It's very, it's a fancy piece of colored wax that you, you know, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, yeah. So there's like those inner, inner service, but in, in a lot of times it's like, you know what, we can all make fun of each other. But sometimes when people step, from outside and try to ins and they're actually meaning it as an insult. See, that's again the thing is when you talk about comedy, even an insult is part of is is part of the fun, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not it's not meant to you know make you feel a certain type of way. I think it's supposed to make people laugh, and it should make you laugh if you're not you know self involved. I think that's one thing is is that so many people get are so self involved these days that they can't laugh and they can't laugh at themselves. And that's why we have, you know, you getting death threats for putting out, you know, Nazi punching videos and stuff. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think yeah. Antifa therapy is, a, is, is another, is another good. Uh, Thank you. You know, it's okay. It's, it's, it's accurate too. It's, it's kind of funny. I could, I could see it happening. I appreciate that. Well, there is something about, you know, being self-deprecating, which I think is, which I think is important. Um, and I have, you know, quite a bit of material that I do that, that is self-deprecating. But what I, what I found is that like some people will think that, well, if a comedian self-deprecating on stage, when they get off stage, it's okay for me to deprecate them is that the word is that would that be the word and it's like it's like nah dude like you know i'm i'm very comfortable making fun of you know myself and i take light of it but that doesn't that doesn't mean i'm just gonna let you walk all over me like i'm some yeah uh, some nothing <laughs> so i've had that uh, there's been a couple of uh, uh i've had a couple of very awkward experiences where people tried to do that and uh, oh yeah and i yeah i've had to um you know shut them down in real life so I could see that. I could see that happening. But I mean, self-deprecation is, I think when you can do that and it makes people laugh, like that's anytime I, usually I'm, I tell, if I tell jokes, it's always about at my own expense and the situation that I'm in. And I've also been called sexist for, you know, making jokes about women because right. I became one. <laughs> so it's like, like the fact that I can drive and stuff like that, you know, yeah, um, you you have to really you have to start being a shitty driver. Like your, your, yeah. par your parallel parking is way too good. You know. Well, nobody... I can tell you, I I clip more curbs now. Nice. It does. Yeah, I do. Um, but I was asked one time if I could drive by a, a good friend of mine. We were going somewhere, and I was like, she was like, you know, Sarah, can you drive? As she was tossing me the keys, I'm like, of course I can drive. I used to be a man, and it was just, and 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 it was it was hilarious. Huh. Um. I can't remember. I had this this up here, the the chapter on the alpha cuck. I remember that yeah. being a good chapter. Um, uh, alpha. What cuck, is the alpha cuck? <laughs> well, uh, well, something something that I found with you know doing um, you know doing satire is uh, you know based on what whichever video of mine you see or maybe joke you see, you you, you might get like this. You might um, make these assumptions about where I stand on all these different political issues just based on that on that one thing. And most people they don't like to do any more research other than you know watching you know whatever video. Um, and uh, you know over the years, what I found is that I sort of uh, had this discovery that like when I offend people on the left, they get the joke, they don't think it's funny, and 
they think I'm a bad person for telling it. On the other hand, when I offend people on the right, they don't get the joke. They don't think it's funny and they think they can kick my ass. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, so so one of the things that I that was you know called quite often during the uh, the Trump administration was I was called a cuck, you know, and it would often be by guys that no woman would want to sleep with, let alone I would, you know, my wife and I would select to join us in our, in our, in our, uh, in our dojo. Uh, so in that chapter, I basically, you know, go through like, okay, well, what would, what would it be like if I actually took one of these, you know, guys up on that offer with their, you know, their MAGA hats and their, uh, you know, friggin' bald Eagle, uh, carrying a flag tattoo, you know, what would, what would that night be like? Uh, that magical night of them losing their virginity with me in the bedroom with them. Uh, so that's where, you know, you, you go from being just being a regular cuck to being an alpha cuck. So. <laughs> well, I love that. That's, that's so all, that's all you alpha cucks out there watching, watching Sarah's program. Rise up. Let's get that alpha cuck militia. Going. <laughs> well, that, that is what's interesting is like you said, it is hard to tell why where your politics would fall. I mean, because lately, obviously, you've been going doing hard into the the culture war aspect. You got the Antifa therapy, um, but you also went after um, one of your most recent ones was the uh, what is it? The training of the uh, the, the psyops. Oh, oh, that's right. We did uh, uh, for. Um... For Free the People in the Comedy is Murder series, we did uh, meet the cast of Patriot Front. And <laughs> we treated uh, Patriot Front as a huge government psyop. And so, you know, every, you know, every theatrical production starts with a casting call. So here you're going to see the uh, cast of actors who've auditioned to play this, you know, uh, this white supremacist, uh, you know, street theater show. Um yeah. And I think with, you know, with a lot of the stuff like, uh, you know, obviously I, I'll, I'll have, you know, my own you know personal views on a number of things and uh, uh, I have my own, my own biases. Um, but when it comes to like, you know, which jokes I'm going to make or, or, you know, which uh, videos I'm going to go for, it really is going to come down to like, well, you know, is this original and is this funny? Is this an original take on this? Um, you know, because uh, it'd be very easy for me to just, you know, spout, uh, you know, the stuff that my, my side on whichever side of the issue uh, already yeah. agrees on, you know? So, yeah. So that, that's, that's the challenge too. It's like, it's like, okay, I might not necessarily believe this thing, but man, that joke is pretty funny. So why don't I see what happens when, uh, you know, when I go for it? Yeah. Well, it, it is pretty easy to do when you have, you know, I mean, personally, I'm in the, in the center and it's like you have the extremes to the left and the extremes to the right. And now that you're getting called far right, they assume that that's where you're at. But it's like you have funny stuff that happen that you can do on both sides. So um, I think it's 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 great when you can see that, because then it kind of takes a lot of the politics out of it. Right. Yes. Yeah, so, and, and also it's a way to meet people who are actually at those insane extremes that I didn't that I didn't know really existed. You know, like, yeah. You know, it's like it's like, wow, there actually are, you know, people out there who want a white ethno state 
like oh shit i didn't know like i thought that that was you know i thought those people were just like made up it's like no there are actually a few of them who uh who <laughs> who, who you know do want that and are upset with me for not wanting that it's like okay great here we go yeah well um lou i want to thank you again for coming on this was this was great um i want to make sure i pop this up there so that everybody sees go buy the book on amazon um the joke is not funny anymore um like i said i recommend it i recommend it in the audiobook version yeah go for it i know i Um, I appreciate that i uh uh yeah recording recording the audiobook i hope people enjoy especially like uh i i think i'm I'm similar to you like i don't know the last time i've read a book like that i sat down and read a book and a lot of it's just like man you need to really make time for that where i think yeah you're so so inundated with everything online now that it's really hard to so yeah, yeah. audiobooks are great especially when you're on a long road trip like that I, I i listened to your book on the way there i listened to stephen kent's book on the way back and oh, nice. it was it was awesome yeah yeah stephen kent's a, a buddy of mine and, and talking about time i don't know if you guys can hear this but i'm getting a knock knock on the door which means my my kids are outside wanting to to play so there, there's <laughs> no more reading for me so. <laughs> well again um why don't you just let everybody know where they can find you? Yeah. Uh, you guys can follow me at the Lou Perez on social media. Uh, the Lou Perez.com is my website. And again, uh, please pick up my book. That joke isn't funny anymore. And uh, yeah, as you guys know, um, follow me across all social media platforms. Let me know what you guys think about this in the comments section. Go follow me on rumble, YouTube, Twitter, um, where I do post all these videos and we will see you next time. We're going to go ahead and play uh, Misgendering the Murderer, though. Did you read the file? Let's go. Who got you, son of a bitch? Six women. Six. Do you own a black Toyota Sienna, Miss Trapper? Yes. Is this your car, ma'am? Why do you keep referring to him like he's a woman? I thought you said you read the file. I've been tracking this guy for nine months. I don't need to read it. The suspect identifies as a she. What? Is this how you got into the woman's shelter? You said you were a woman. I am a woman. And a woman's shelter has to accept women. Nothing in here changes what you did to her. Or her. Or her. Hmm? Oh, you're a real tough guy, huh? Woman. Gal. Tough gal. Tell me something, how did it feel? Did it feel good? What? When I fell from heaven? You didn't fall from heaven. You fell from hell. That doesn't make any sense. She's right, Jim, that didn't make any sense. Shut up. Miss Trepper. Where were you on the night of April 17th? At home, washing my hair. All night? You know how those girls are. Checks out. We have a witness that puts him at home on the 17th. No, I'm just saying she's right. Girls love to wash their hair. That is probably the dumbest stereotype. This shit affects real people. But you're just a psycho looking for a way out. Well, it is not gonna work. 
You're gonna fucking fry. You'd like that, wouldn't you? Misogynist. I bet I look like every gal that's ever broken your heart. Fucking kill you cool, myself! Jim! Cool it! Get off of me! I got to play this by the book! Man, I gotta respect her journey. What is going on with you? My daughter showed me a video on TikTok. It was about gender. Is your daughter transgender? No, but she's an ally. What's an ally? I don't know, but I have to be an ally. It's a TikTok thing. What the fuck does that have to do with this? I have to be an ally if she's ever gonna wanna come over to hang out at my house rather than her mother forcing her to come over. Will you do a TikTok video with me? No, this guy is not even trans. He's just saying that to manipulate the system. Is that true? Well, now I don't know what to believe. Well, I don't know what I believe. I believe you identified as a woman to get into the women's shelter to overpower them. Now you want to do the same in prison. How am I doing? I think you're scared. Of what? Seeing a woman stand up for herself. Other room, now. What are you two idiots doing? We just got started, Chief. We'll get the confession. DNA results came back positive for a man. Why are you wasting your time with a woman? That is a man. Then what am I looking at here? Harvey Tripper, female. Female semen. Female semen, not male semen. Women don't have... You got 10 minutes, and then you cut her loose. Chief. Ah, better yet. Get her an escort home. There's a serial killer out there. We don't want her to become his next victim. Did you show him the fucking TikTok video? Yeah.